0: Should Donald Trump be president, he has pledged that he will be a dictator on day one. Day five will be day five of a profound national crisis. Welcome back to another session of Ask Me Anything. And the question is from the warning community, where do I think the United States will be on January 25th, 2025? I suspect the United States will remain on the North American continent. Just joking. On the other hand, Should Donald Trump be president, he has pledged that he will be a dictator on day one. So day five will be day five of a profound national crisis. The the singularly most dangerous aspect of what Donald Trump is promising to do is to deploy the American military as a police force against the American people on American soil into American communities in the name of a national emergency declared absurdly, ludicrously, and malevolently under the Insurrection Act. Should that be happening, there will be mass protests on the streets. The society will shut down. What we will see is an unraveling, constant chaos. Uh, The society will be at each other's throats. Um, It will be a time of tumult, global panic, and it will preface uh, what is to come. And each day of that Trump presidency will be worse than the next. It will get heavier. And then there will be war. There will be a war in Europe, and there will be a war in Asia. And it will not be a low-casualty war like the American wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. It will be a war where aircraft carriers get sent to the bottom of the sea, taking 5,000 Americans with them. It will be a war of great suffering and death where beautiful cities are reduced to rubble. On the other hand, if uh, President Biden is is re-elected, what that will mean is that Donald Trump will never be the Republican nominee again. Uh, It will not mean that he doesn't remain for some time the leader of this malignant fascist movement. Uh, It doesn't mean that he'll disappear, uh, but it means he will have been defenestrated. It will mean that the campaign promising retribution, uh, the campaign promising concentration camps, the campaign promising a police state which is what would be required to achieve the mass deportations that Trump is talking about, had been repudiated, had been defeated. And America will be taking its first steps moving on. And the question is, from the warning community, is Biden's PR team the worst you've ever seen? The answer to that question is no. The worst I've ever seen is the Trump communications team. It was an abysmal, degenerate pack of liars, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kelly McEnany, Sean Spicer. There has never been a White House communication operation that lied as a matter of course strategy to the American people. The very first thing said on camera by a member of the Trump administration was that something that was obviously not true was true. When Sean Spicer walks out, points to a picture, and says that the picture with the smaller crowd size, in fact, is bigger. It was a scene straight out of 1984. There are few Americans who have ever raised their hand and sworn oath of defense to the Constitution who have ever betrayed it as badly as the people around Donald Trump, ever. And the worst person in the, in the Trump communications operation the worst of the worst, the lowest of the dreck, was Kellyanne Conway. And Kellyanne Conway is an abusive parent, a narcissistic personality, and somebody made famous by the access media who they celebrate as she lies to them to their faces. Kellyanne Conway is a totem of the corruption of the American media. The corruption of the trump white house and she was the worst of the worst of the worst communications team they've ever been so no biden's pr team isn't worse than that but they are incompetent the the biden white house has an incompetent communication operation when i worked in the bush white house i did a short stint in iraq And my job there was to assess all of the communication efforts that were underway and audit them, assess them, evaluate them, and understand what it is and why it is the American people are hearing what it is they're hearing. And the first thing that I realized in Iraq was we didn't have a communication problem, though many people in the White House believe that. What we had in Iraq was a losing the war problem. And you can't fix a losing the war problem by a communication strategy. You can make it worse, but you can't fix it. So Biden's age can't be fixed with a communication strategy, but it can be made infinitely worse as an issue. And the White House has managed to do that. What Joe Biden promised was that he would extinguish the extremist movement, and that hasn't happened. There's never been a president who's had more legislative success without appreciation, without any gratitude, or anybody crediting him for the accomplishment. And now, because of the failure to do that, The White House communications operation is angry, it's petulant, it's angry with the American people who they yell at when there are issues that are raised that are legitimate, such as the president's age, they're angry with the media, they're angry with everybody. But the fact of the matter is this, American politics at the presidential level is a communications business, period. Would the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl if Travis Kelsey couldn't catch a ball, if Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes? Of course not. The idea that a presidential campaign can be detached from the capacity to inspire people is nonsense. Defeating Trump requires the president to lay out a vision that's better than the insanity. Communications in a presidential campaign isn't about demanding a vote on the basis of past accomplishments. It's a transaction about the future. And nobody seems to understand that in the Biden White House. The president is cloistered. He's sheltered. And the result of that is every appearance the stakes are raised, existentially raised. This deficit in the Biden White House can cost him the presidency and cost democracy in America. There has never been a White House where there's been a better legislative affairs effort, frankly, a better White House counsel's office, more effective, paired with an ineffective communications operation. It's just utterly, utterly, utterly broken. Everybody involved in it really needs to take a pause, a break, and they need serious help. And I think that's going to become more clear in the weeks ahead. And I think ultimately you will see some of the Democratic Party's biggest hitters uh, get into the game because they have to, because this is so broken. The question is, is why isn't Donald Trump behind bars? This is very simple. I want everybody to understand this. If you are a critic of Donald Trump, You must be at the front of the line, demanding fairness for Donald Trump in his criminal trials. The entire point of all of this is Donald Trump is not above the law, but he's also not below it. He's entitled to the constitutional protections that every American citizen is. And Donald Trump has been convicted of no crimes. He's been charged with crimes. He's been found guilty as a rapist in a civil action. He's been found guilty of fraud in a civil action. Those convictions, some of them, will be appealed. Donald Trump will be sentenced to prison if he's convicted by a jury. And nobody, nobody, nobody should be cheering for the conviction of political opponents. I coined a phrase during the Republican National Convention while Michael Flynn was speaking in 2016, and the wild crowd was chanting over and over again, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. I called it banana republicanism. This isn't something that happens in a healthy democracy. It's what happens in banana republics. Is the United States to be a banana republic? We must not allow this. These criminal cases against Trump have been compromised in the case of Georgia by the misconduct of the prosecutor. What planet is Frannie Willis living on that she thinks it's okay to hire her boyfriend? as the special prosecutor pay him $700,000 in fees of taxpayer money and then travel around with him? Holy shit. It's like, does she work for Donald Trump? She ran on a platform of integrity, and when it was examined, kaboom. So don't root for Donald Trump to go to jail. Root for America to move past Trump. Root for the system to work. Donald Trump has put the country in an impossible position with his misconduct. He has brought us to this point, one man. What Donald Trump's life is his testament to the damage one demagogue, one man, one ruthless person can do to a country as great as ours. And the only thing, the only thing that can make it worse is if Donald Trump and Trumpism and MAGA contaminate The only political party left standing that believes in the rule of law, democracy, and the values of the republic. The next ask me anything question is what is the best way to influence candidates outside of giving money? What can we do? I don't think that the issue is so much influencing candidates. It's influencing elected officials. It is a very simple proposition. Uh, Most elected officials want to be reelected. Can you organize Can you be a component, part of a cohort that has the capacity on the margins to make life politically difficult all the way to politically untenable for an elected official? The most important thing to understand is these people work for you. And you don't have to tolerate their bullshit. We live in an era where American politics has gone off the rail. And it's gone off the rails because the overwhelming majority of politicians have come to the conclusion in the Trump era is they can get away with anything. And the result is we're in one of the most corrupt eras in American history. We see a level of corruption in this country we haven't seen since the late 19th century in the early part of the 21st century. And so being involved, being part of a community is how you influence elected officials. When it comes to influencing candidates, trying to lobby candidates to take positions is not effective. Candidates got to win an election. Work for the candidate. Be involved in the choice. But don't try to impose words and slogans on candidates. I'll give you an example of Democrats doing this. It's one of the dumbest of all time. Defund the police. Defund the police was a slogan invented by white woke liberals with Ivy League degrees who live in New York and Washington DC. People who live in communities where there's crime want the police. They just want a police department that's not abusive towards the citizen because of their skin color. Why is that concept so hard? To explain absent the slogan. Nevertheless, for some Democrats it is. And the result of that is the campaign becomes about the slogan, And the slogan is a deadly one. So let's not do that in campaign 2024. This Ask Me Anything question is, Steve, are you concerned about the third party candidates? Am I concerned about the third party candidates? It depends on what the definition of concern is. Um, If you look at a lot of the comments that are made by top Democratic Party officials, I think the fair interpretation of them is that they would wipe these candidates off the ballot. And, and I'm against that. And I, and I think we have to understand that you have 86% of the country, 86% doesn't want to see the rematch between Biden and Trump. We have a two-party system that's a duopoly and they're delivering a result that the market doesn't want. Uh, let me be clear about this. I will, I will crawl over broken glass to vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Am I happy with that choice? I'm outraged by it. So one of the things the White House has to get its hands around is the concept of the grumpy Biden voter. There are a lot of us who are deeply, and by deeply, I mean deeply unhappy about the president walking away from his commitment to serve one term. I think the idea that this country would have a president pushing 90 years old is out-fucking-rageous. That being said, the choice is the choice. Now, the national media is not covering Robert Kennedy Jr. for a lot of different reasons. Robert Kennedy Jr. is unfit to be the president of the United States. He's a conspiracy theorist, he's a liar, he's a demagogue, and he cannot be trusted with responsibility. That being said, right now, 25% of the country wants him to be the president of the United States. Some smaller percentages may want one of the other candidates, like Cornell West. There is nothing that any Democratic Party official can do about those candidates. They have a right to run in America. What the Biden campaign has to do with the third party candidates is understand they have to be focused on what they can control, and they have no control about that. And that's exactly what Harry Truman faced in 1948. Do you remember the famous headline, Dewey Defeats Truman? Harry Truman held that aloft smiling from the back of Railcar One, the Ferdinand Magellan. And that Railcar, by the way, was used in every one of FDR's reelections, was used in Harry Truman's comeback campaign in 48, and it was used by Ronald Reagan in 1984. No president who's ever campaigned for re-election from Railcar One has ever lost. Joe Biden should take Railcar One and he should go campaigning around the country, like Harry Truman did, because he faces the same problem that Truman did. There were three Democrats running in the 1948 election, all of them cutting into Truman's coalition. Strom Thurmond was running as a segregationist Dixiecrat, and Henry Wallace, who was Franklin Roosevelt's vice president, was running to the left of Harry Truman, really as a socialist yet Truman won. You have to win the game as it comes to you. You have to play the deck of cards that's dealt. Yelling, ignoring, shouting down the third-party candidates by the president's most partisan supporters doesn't help the president. What the president has to do is calmly, repeatedly make clear the choice in the end is between him and Trump. And if people are thinking about voting for whomever, that in fact, as it is counted, is a type of vote for Trump, which is something they may not mean at all. Thank you for listening to my political commentary. If you like what you heard today, please also consider subscribing to The Warning, daily newsletter on Substack. Our democracy hangs in the balance. The 2024 presidential election is the most consequential in America's history. It's not hyperbole, it's a fact. That is why the mission of The Warning with Steve Schmidt is to help readers orient to the currents that are shaping our times, and the unseen forces driving politics that are very rarely discussed on cable news. Please sign up at Steve Schmidt S-T-E-V-E-S C H M I D T dot Again, Steve Schmidt.substack.com or at the link in the show notes section below. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening and watching.